Welcome to Impact After Hours. We are the Impact Chiropractic Doctors, serving Northern Colorado for over 10 years. We are passionate about empowering women to take back their own health, and we give our honest perspectives on health topics that are often ignored. In this podcast, we talk all things health and wellness. No topics are off limits. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. Today, you are joined by myself, Dr. Elise. We have Dr. Amy and Dr. Laura, so the mamas of Impact Chiropractic. And we are going to be talking about birth. More specifically, we're going to be talking about birth planning and what that can look like. We are all three very natural, medication-free birthers. And what we're talking about today is not necessarily just natural birth, but how to prepare for all different options in the most natural way possible. And what we are going to do is walk through kind of one of the main birth plans that we will show to our patients. There's so many birth plans when you look on Google, but most patients who are in our office are more holistic or naturally minded too. And sometimes they just aren't aware of all the options that they can do during their birth, whether it's a home birth, hospital birth, or birth center birth. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. And with myself, I have had one baby, my first in the hospital, and then the other two home birthed. One was water birth, one was not. Um, and so we have different ways that we have birthed. Both Dr. Amy and Dr. Laura have birthed at home. So I'll touch a bit about hospital stuff and what I quote unquote got away with in the hospital that was more holistic and naturally minded too. So we are going to start off talking about um, what I guess with the birth plan, what that can look like as far as logistics go of when you're writing your birth plan, once it's all prepared. Um, I learned some of this, I would say, actually from Bradley. Um, Bradley is a birthing course that's 12 weeks, or it used to be 12 weeks at least, and they talk a lot about ways to make sure your birth plan is read because when you go online, you can they can customize birth, birth plans for you, but it could be multiple pages long, and it's not realistic to expect all of your nurses and midwives or OBs to read that amount. So what I really focused on was I made like my margins really small on Word and I made it all fit onto one page. So when you get to the hospital, having multiple copies of it is really important. Or even if you have, if you're at the birth center, I would suggest the same thing because you could have a change of staff members where you just want to have like eight to 12 copies, especially in the hospital. But it's good at home to make a birth plan too, just so that everyone on your birthing team is very aware of your desires and you don't need to voice them while you are in labor. Um, So taping it up outside of your room at the birth center or the hospital is also nice, making sure you tape that on your door and itemizing it. And we're happy to share ours too. You can contact us if you wanna see ours, but itemizing it by all stages of your preferences, upon arrival, what that looks like, your labor desires, pushing, the actual birth, and then the baby care afterwards. So making sure you have that pretty specific and then itemizing it out too on if you, you know, in case of cesarean, here's what we want that to look like. So we're gonna talk about um, more specifics within each of those areas. So should we start off by labor? Like yeah. right when your water breaks, kind yeah. of what yeah. what things look like then? Totally. So yeah, during labor, there's been so many things that you can actually make, and I love looking at the environment. 
that's kind of the part of the reason I did a home birth because I wanted more of kind of a neutral, like comfortable zone. So even if we're going to go into the hospital, it's very important to kind of dim the lights, ask people to use like lighter tones, smaller voices, um, and just keep things very soothing. You can even play music or if you are doing a hypnobirthing or Bradley method, make sure you're prepared with all of that. That just sets the tone because it is like birth is such an intimate space that you want to kind of like set the stage for it if it's like full lights everyone able to see everything it doesn't set that tone and it makes you very vulnerable which I can definitely feel like stalls labor absolutely and one of my favorite things around birth was um creating birth affirmations I think we all did that um which is one of my favorite things because when you're in labor um you know things progress and sometimes they stall and then they progress again so it's nice to have visuals and something to look at and affirm yourself that your body can do this it was meant for this um, and then it's not stronger than you are so having some visuals around you whether it's at home birth center or in a hospital um, kind of pack your bag with some affirmations and I think that can be really empowering throughout labor too yeah we I even once I was having baby number two and baby number three I had like arts and crafts from my daughter <laughs> up by the birth affirmations too so it was just kind of in there like handprints mold prints up. Uh, sometimes that's going to be more challenging to bring all of that to the hospital or birth center, but at home, you can just create a really beautiful space at home. And then um, with the hospital too, a couple of tips that I was given when I got in there is make sure when you get into the room, you take the clock off the wall mm-hmm. because you don't want to be in your head looking at what time it is and how long it's taking. And even at home, if you have clocks hanging yep. or around like just making sure that's not so easy to see because that can really get you in your own head too Mm -hmm. and then in the hospital too um putting a being cautious of like the door slamming i know that sounds kind of silly but you can put like a like sock or like a buffer thing on the door because you are going to have so many people in and out of your room Um, What I like to include is for the staff at the hospital not to ask me questions. They could ask my doula or my husband, but I didn't want to be distracted with questions as I was really trying to get into a good place really neurologically or subconsciously too Mm -hmm. of when I'm in labor. Every time you're asked a question, it changes the part of the brain that you respond from and it gets you out of that place where you really need to be focused and look inward and that's when dilation starts to happen too so it can stall your labor to have people coming in and out of your room even the sounds you can hear too essential oils Mm -hmm. being diffused Mm -hmm. in that atmosphere is really nice too there's a lot of information on essential oils and when to use which ones during birth but i really liked having um, balance diffusing which is kind of more of a um, calm calming oil i would say and then i my doula put peppermint on a washcloth and when I felt like I was going to throw up at a certain (laughs) stage of labor she handed me that washcloth and I was so impressed at how much that helped me too Mm -hmm. um, to have those specific oils too yeah I also used clary sage and rose which were also incredible how did you use rose um I have a roller bottle 
And I would just roll it like on my wrist. On your wrist? Yep. That's so cool. When it's nice to have this birth plan pulled together because you can have those decisions ahead of time, do the research, and then have your partner on board or your doula so that when you're in labor, like you're saying, like you can stay in that space versus like, this is what I want. Like Mm -hmm. it's really hard to communicate those things and it's easy for boundaries to be caught if they're not already set in place and you have this already. So Absolutely. Yeah, and even telling your birth team, if at least for me, I'm a quiet birther even just when I'm in the pushing stages, I'm very quiet too, which is weird because I'm not a quiet person, but I wanted my whole team to be quiet. And with one of my births, one of the doulas I had chatted a lot, a lot, a lot. And I finally had to say, you guys, could you please be quiet? And I shouldn't need to say that. I realized in that birth, because I'd already birthed before, I think I was thinking, oh, everyone knows I like it quiet. Um, And the second I said that, my baby was born. It was like <laughs> crazy the timing of how that happened. But my husband knew 100% like, don't talk, please. No one talk. Um, I also made a birth playlist. So my own like playlist that brought me joy with my third. And I would say, I don't know if that helped or not, but it was like songs that I really loved. It wasn't just like peaceful songs around birthing. But with my girls, I did hypno babies the entire time. Totally. and. I think both were great. It yeah. was just different di- desires with yeah. different births. Which is funny because I tried hypno babies with um, my first. I did it all throughout my pregnancy. Um, and I was like, yes, I am going to be the hypno mama. I am going to feel so good. And I pushed play when I was in active labor and was like, get these headphones off my face. <laughs> like I could not handle it. Um, so it is interesting because, again, yeah. you can have this birth plan and it might just not be yeah. how you intend. So then for our first, we ended up putting on some really like good music um, because we had a backup playlist. And for my second, <clears throat> I'm a Friends lover. So we watched two full episodes of Friends <laughs> until the laugh track got to me. And then I was like, okay, we're done. Put on some music. But <laughs> kind of funny how, again, everyone's just so different. Uh, so I funny. love that. Well, and I feel like labor, last thing we'll talk about is more just like positioning and freedom. Um, obviously at home you can kind of walk around, be where you want, mm-hmm. feel what's natural. And it's so good to change positions. Great. I had such a hard time changing positions because once I was in one, I was so stuck. So that was a big one for my midwife to get me out of. But in the hospital too, I think it's great to like have the options mm-hmm. um, to be able to move around. Like even, I know they sometimes want to do fetal monitoring. So sometimes you can ask for like... Um, intermittent fetal monitoring where you're not strapped down you're not strapped to the bed that can really help progress and then you're not stuck in bed for so long too right because ideally we don't want to be laboring on our back unless that truly does feel good for mom some people will still prefer to birth on their back which is totally fine um but being able to have the freedom and flexibility to get in those comfortable positions use a bar um over a tub like however is comfortable for the mom but being clear about that if that's your wishes that you don't want to be stuck in one position especially if labor stalls yeah and i would definitely recommend it wherever you're going to be birthing if it's not at your house make sure you do a tour and Mm -hmm. you see what they have there so that's what was interesting is i wasn't expecting a hospital birth with my first and then um i went into labor early and thankfully still had time to like prepare in some ways, but I didn't get to prepare with a tour. So it wasn't an emergency transfer or anything like that, but I didn't really know what the hospital fully had. So I brought a birthing ball and they had (laughs) one there. 
They had a peanut ball there. They did have a lot of, you can use a rebozo. Just make sure who's ever doing the rebozo with you is properly trained in that. So even doing some of your spinning babies exercises in labor, they have specific labor ones too, is really great. And you can do that wherever you are birthing, have a rebozo. Um, and, but my point with that is a lot of birthing facilities do have do have things you can already use to have movement, get on all fours, and still have comfortable items there too. Mm -hmm. So just doing that tour and knowing what you have access to and then what you don't have access to, bringing that along. I actually loved having a foam roller um, with two of my babies in labor. So I could actually foam roll during labor, which might sound a little crazy, but I had um, a lot of back labor with two of them because the babies turned posterior. So it was nice to have that, to be able to really work on my low back too. Um, and then other items that you might wanna bring during labor for more natural pain management is a TENS unit. And even if you are going to labor in water, that can really help decrease pain or um, it can almost create like an anti-gravity effect depending if you're in like a large birth tub that can have that anti-gravity effect if you think of like when you float in water what that feels like it can take the pressure off of your spine off of your SI joints and decrease pain as well in the hospital depending what hospital you're at usually they have a bathtub it's not a full birth tub so you might not have that full effect but I would recommend getting into different positions in that bathtub on all fours if you plan on water um, being in water at all for labor you will need to request the fetal monitors are waterproof so when you get into the hospital make sure that you are requesting that because otherwise sometimes the team isn't as apt to switch that for you so putting that in your birth plan is important if you think there's any chance you'll be in water as well there's also sterile water injections which is a natural um, pain option mm -hmm. i guess I, I think it's more of a placebo effect if you ask me, but at the hospital, you'll have access to that. I'm not sure, possibly at the birth centers too, you may have access to that as well. I did that with my first. I didn't think it did much at all, um, but it's kind of nice too when you are avoiding an epidural or that's the last thing that you want to do to kind of have those options instead of it being zero to epidural. Mm -hmm. Any other pain management, natural pain management things you guys can think of during labor? That was hard. I feel like hypno babies, that was the main reason I did that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like right. it, for me, it helped. Yeah. And then the minute my track would end and they'd have to restart it and it would be only a minute in between and be like, get that on again. Totally. So I guess it's just more like that mindset is a big one and just yeah. like kind of working through that beforehand and knowing what you're going to work through. Yeah. And you had mentioned already about Bradley, um, but I think just having like a really supportive partner, mm -hmm. that was probably like the best pain relief was having some counter pressure throughout my sacrum from my husband. Yeah. Um, so just make sure your husband, your partner, um, whoever is in the laboring room with you can help provide some like manual relief yeah. for you Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. That was a game changer. Totally. Yeah. I yeah. can't imagine if I didn't have someone oh. rubbing my back the no. entire labor. <laughs> I needed that pressure the whole yeah. time. We have to train Nate on a better next yeah. time too because he was okay but not great. <laughs> I just like how after birth Rocky would be like, I'm so sore. Your and I'm like, shut are so your mouth right now. <laughs> you cannot complain. I love it. Well, even like let's say an epidural is in your plan or somehow that happens, um, there's also ways to move into different positioning while you don't have feeling lower. So you can chat about your provider with that as well. 
Um, I know that you can go on your side with support between your legs and that opens up your pelvis in a different region, which is great. Um, some hospital beds are able to move a little bit better so that it supports you on all fours, even with the epidural. So that's something you can always bring up and just see as an option too, um, just to make sure if you don't want to be stuck on your back, there are multiple opportunities to switch it up. Awesome. And I'd say us not having epidurals, we all have our own reason why we didn't. A big one for me that I will share is as a chiropractor, the amount of times I've sat in with a new patient, a mama who has told me she's had low back pain ever since her epidural, that was enough to kind of get me through labor of thinking, okay, it's this many hours right now versus years of back pain possibly. That does not mean that's going to happen to you, but I just have had enough cases where I had seen that and heard that over and over and over that that kind of motivated me beyond just trying to have natural birth options of still just feeling enough pull to not do it at all. And then when you're at home, you don't have that option. So, or at the birth center, that's just not an option for you. So kind of when it's not available, it's just like if no one puts dessert in front of you, you're not eating dessert. But the second there's a dessert buffet there, you're like, oh, that looks kind of good. I could go for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Too funny. All right. So should we, I guess actually I'm going to share this one other thing because Anytime I bring this up with patients, they've never heard anyone else do this. And at the hospital, they said they'd never had another mom do this as well. Um, But I did not want to know dilation numbers at all. And that had a lot to do with my own mom had had cesarean births with all of us. And she kept saying she was at my house before my first two and she would say oh well I dilate to seven and then I'd have to get a c-section and she kept saying that number and I knew that I just could not find out the number which hindsight I'm really glad I never found out the number because with both my first two apparently when they checked me and and for us too we wanted to have decreased checks so I had one check with each of my girls and I don't think I was checked with my son but um you want to have decreased checks to decrease checks to decrease the risk of infection um, and also to let your body and innately do what it needs to do. But um, for my girls, those checks, I was a seven. And I was really grateful I didn't find that out because I just know at that place, I was in a vulnerable place being in labor. And I don't know what that would have done for my mindset finding that out at that time. Um, One other thing I was going to bring up, and this comes from Dr. Megan of Balanced Thistle, is she during labor used a comb? Oh yeah. Do you remember? Did she tell yeah, you guys about this? Yeah, she told this? me this, and I hadn't heard it before. It's like a comb. Think of like a square comb that fits in your hands, oh, and um, we should probably have her just talk about this at some point. <laughs> but it apparently puts certain acupressure points on the inside of your palm that help somehow with labor. I don't know if it's to decrease pain or. Do you know? Take your focus off, like, yeah, acupuncture, and then your brain gets tricked into, like, what's going on in your hand. Uh. So it takes less focus on what's really happening. We'll have to ask her more details. Yeah, we'll have more details on that. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. And then um, also, this kind of goes with environment um, or when you pack your hospital bag, too, making sure you have good fluids, good healthy fluids along. So a good quality electrolyte. We always would brew raspberry leaf tea ahead of time and bring that. 
um, or have that. I actually put a refrigerator, like a little mini like college dorm fridge in my bedroom for maybe all three of them, but for sure the two home birth ones because I need to wake up and eat protein or drink protein shakes in the middle of the night too. But it was nice to have that up there since I was birthing in our room too. Um, honey sticks are recommended. I never actually had honey sticks, but I a lot of times you'll hear at the hospital that you can't eat, and I will tell you, you can. Um, we actually had food right when we got in and right when we checked in and my water had already broke at that point too. So just knowing that you might hear like things are black or white at certain places where you're birthing, but you do probably have options because if you have a long birth and that's a long time to go without eating, that's a long time to go without food is energy for your body. So having like natural, holistic, good quality food for you at that time. Did you guys have like favorite foods or drinks or anything that you did? Well, I'm going to sound like a jerk, but I didn't birth. I didn't labor long enough. To yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, lots of doing. ice water. And I think I did have some electrolytes. But otherwise, yeah. Unfortunately yeah. for me, unfortunately for this podcast, I don't have many. Well, and I... <laughs> <laughs> um, since I was at home, obviously, I had a lot more freedom. Yeah. Um, and I threw up a lot during labor. Mm-hmm. Um, my midwives were actually worried about me losing a lot of energy. So they were shoving stuff down my throat, like in between <laughs> every contraction if they could. So I had actually a lot of honey, a lot of like sugary, but easy to get down. Mm-hmm. I think some juice. It's kind of a blur, yeah. um, <laughs> to be honest. But then a lot of electrolytes too. So yeah, they were on top of that for me, which I was grateful for because I definitely needed it. Yeah. yeah. Even having like an easy way to drink that stuff, like especially like Strong if you're in a yeah. birth pool or tub yeah having like a good straw cup is great and helpful something not like a Nalgene where you have to untwist every time you need a drink but making sure you're getting fluids in is very important and when you get to the hospital they're going to try to um, put your IV needle in right away you can try to deny that as well it's the reasoning for why they want it in right when you get in is because if for some reason you lose a lot of blood during birth then they've already got it Mm -hmm. in and they can also Um, give medications through that and other forms through it afterwards too but it is a pain in the butt to labor with a needle in your arm I will say that Um, so just making sure if you don't want to have to worry about an IV getting plugged into you afterwards making sure you're hydrating that whole time is a good game changer as well love okay should we move on to when we get to the Pushing stage. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so I think we probably all did this, just being more naturally minded. Um, but we and I personally chose to not be directed to be pushing. Um, first of all, I think it's really challenging for someone to either say, don't push, don't push, don't push, because when your body is ready to push, you're going to push. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also didn't want to be coached into pushing because the more you fake it almost, you're going to um, inflame your cervix. Things are just going to get swollen versus actually progress your labor. Mm-hmm. Um, when is that false sense of pushing? Mm-hmm. So if you can let your body do it naturally, um, again, if you've never been in birth or labor before, um, you'll get that sensation where your body just pushes. Just, just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and it was very interesting because you can have an envisionment of like what you think pushing will be like. And I don't know if it was different for you guys, but I didn't really have a clear like I was in the first part of labor Mm -hmm. and then I was transitioning and then I was pushing. It was all just kind of like, am I pushing? How close are we? It's just like 
so much pressure going on and at the end finally baby did come but I'm glad I wasn't coached around it because like if I had a hard time tuning in my body and all those sensations I don't know how someone else would be like now push and you're like well how do you know you know totally so and I think just in general too we all have this idea of like what birth looks like which is like 24 hours long and you're going to be doing this for so many hours and then this for so many hours so kind of going back to what you had said Dr. Elise with not getting checked because again you might have this false sense of like oh I'm gonna have 15 more hours if I'm only at a seven. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh I'm you know should I push now maybe I'm gonna push for four more hours so if you just let your body do that naturally without someone like telling you I, I do think you can get more into like the flow of it and just allow it to happen to your body versus like being nervous about the next phase too totally. at least for me that's how both of mine were absolutely and on your birth plan too when it comes to pushing you can say no direct pushing on there and then also requesting not to have a an episiotomy or you could put only episiotomy if there's fetal distress or you can put different specifics on there too episiotomies are pretty old school um there's some other things that you can do and you'll see in kind of like the crunchy world of if you want like vitamin E oil put on your perineum to decrease your risk of tearing. Um, there's Warm other compress, just again yeah. counter pressure mm-hmm. as you're pushing. Your midwife will be maybe your husband if he's yes <laughs> feeling De- comfortable. Well, and decreased direct pushing too will yeah. decrease your risk of tearing as well. Um, and then you can at the hospital also request, and Dr. Laura mentioned this quickly, but a squat bar. So you can have the squat bar added just for the pushing phases too. And they can incline part of the bed so that you're actually like squatting slash sort of seated, mm-hmm. but not laying down, not on your back. Because when you do lay down on your back, which with an epidural, oftentimes mamas do, that closes your coccyx a bit, which is like your tailbone and can decrease the space or your pelvic bowl for birthing. So actually being in certain positions like on all fours or squatting, um, side lying with your legs opened up can Mm -hmm. open up your pelvis even better too. Also practicing pushing before, so making that part of when you are um, doing like your birth classes and that sort of stuff, you can go and find great YouTube videos on how to breathe properly when you push because oftentimes in the movies you see people screaming and that is putting or hyperventilating (laughs) and that's putting pressure true yeah Yeah. that is like the standard Hollywood way of birthing and that actually when you are like screaming or making noises that's bringing energy out and like up and out if you think of that out your mouth essentially instead of down and in so there's ways like where they'll say it's very similar to having a ball movement and how you want to actually get the energy to go down so oftentimes we prep and we do all these great things during pregnancy but then we don't even plan for that important stage too Mm -hmm. so practicing what pushing looks like is important and what your breathing looks like during that time too totally anything else with that stage I mean, I guess the only thing I'd like to mention too, um, often when the baby is coming out, so kind of like yes, during pushing, but a little bit after, um, sometimes the doctor likes to assist mm-hmm. and depending on midwife, midwife or OB or whoever you have, um, I always think it's a nice option of like, you don't want the assistant, you want baby to work its way out because sometimes they, 
you'll notice like head crowns and then goes back in and it's kind of like this flow where it takes a little longer mm -hmm. versus them needing to coming out right now and there might be something that needs to work out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I personally didn't have my mid midwives really like catch baby anyways. I was on the floor so um, it was a smooth transition. So sometimes like talking about how um, much your OB is open to that and how much like they don't have to apply that pressure might be nice because mm -hmm. that takes off a lot of tension and traction onto baby and their neck. Yeah. Absolutely. And just the fact that you can catch your own baby. Yeah. yeah. Or your spouse or, your or birth partner can right. catch their your totally. own baby too. You might not realize that. Like it's it's fun because I have birth photographers at my births and I can I actually would like grab the baby kind of right right underneath their armpits and pull them up to me. And sometimes if you have a shortened cord you might not have as much availability to do that, which you might not know at all. Um, until the baby comes out, but it was the most amazing experience being able to just like grab your own baby and bring them up skin mm -hmm. on skin right away, which we yeah. can talk about skin on skin a bit too. Yeah, let's go into that next actually. Um, so the importance of skin on skin, there's, oh gosh, I feel like this could be a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> um, the oxytocin alone with skin to skin, body regulation, connection, um, blood pressure regulation, like there's just so much that can be benefited um, from putting your baby directly on your skin afterwards. So trying to put that in your birth plan is really important because otherwise they, which we'll talk about in just a minute, but they'll cut the cord and they'll take baby away and they're going to go try and wipe all that good cheesy vernix off of them right away, um, which let's just kind of talk about cord clamping, um, but you want all of those features mm -hmm. right after birth. Yep, yep. And I do think there is research out there. The good thing is skin to skin is primary practice, typically in every birthing facility. I don't think this is something we should even need to mention our, in our birth plan, but still probably mention mm -hmm. it. Um, but with skin on skin, there is research out there too on the increase. I don't know if I'm going to say this properly, but the increased chance that you'll be able to breastfeed if you were mm -hmm. skin on skin. And that's why even with cesarean births, they will do cheek on cheek, but it's not the same as far as the benefits of a breastfeeding relationship too. So we'll talk about cesarean mm -hmm. births um, after this part. Yeah, totally. Well, and even with skin on skin, I feel like it's so beneficial in all those realms, but then even delayed cord camping, like you kind of talked about that. Since the placenta is still being like processed and coming out, it's nice to leave that intact because there's so much more blood. I don't know if you guys know what percentage of blood is left. Oh man, I don't remember, but it is like thirty percent. I was just gonna say it's like a majority of the yeah blood is of still left. like blood still left in there. That if it's cut so early, then you'll see kiddos have low iron levels. Jaundice can jaundice, happen easier. Yeah, asthma. Like so many things can come down the future or harder to sleep. Kiddos. There's been tons of research with low iron, um, yeah. not sleeping as well. So there's so many benefits on leaving that. And especially if they're skin on skin, it's so easy to leave everything intact. It's just a smooth transition. So Yep. So delaying as long as it takes for the cord to stop pulsating. Yeah. Um, some moms will even labor their placenta and keep placenta, cord, and baby attached for hours, yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. And just to clarify, cord, so delayed cord clamping that we're talking about is typically right after you have the baby, they'll clamp the cord, they'll cut the cord, and then you will birth your placenta mm -hmm. usually quite quickly after that. You also want to make sure your doctor, OB midwife, is not pulling your placenta or pulling mm -hmm. the cord mm -hmm. right afterwards. So we're talking about leaving it unclamped as long as possible or until it stops pulsing. Yep. yep. Nice. 
think, is that kind of it with placenta? There's, so there's I things you can cool. do with your placenta afterwards. So um, you could encapsulate the placenta. You could put it in a smoothie. There's a lot of great <laughs> nutrients in the placenta. And so I did encapsulation with all three. And if you are doing that in the hospital, you will absolutely need to put that in your birth plan mm-hmm. because otherwise your your placenta will need to go to pathology in the hospital regardless, but pathology will throw it out. So they need to know that you have someone coming to pick up your placenta and that you have plans with it afterwards. So that's just kind of a heads up because I have known mamas who didn't realize that and they had paid for encapsulation, but they didn't put that in their birth plan. So the hospital team wasn't aware of it and they lost it. So just a heads up on that too. Um, if that's a plan for you and maybe it's not a plan, but you just don't want to lose the placenta, you can still request to take it home, mm-hmm. bring a cooler with you, like, um, like a cooler that you, a little bit bigger than you pack your lunch in, but not like a beer cooler. <laughs> doesn't need to like bring the whole cooler in. It's probably what, like what I did was that's what I put my tea and electrolytes and right. food in anyways and brought into the hospital. And then I just sent the placenta home in that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, the thing I always say with, with placentas is like, you can't get it back. So even if you're like, uh, I'm not sure I want to do any of that stuff, you can always just take it home, freeze it, and if there's a reason you need it later too. You can also bank um, bank the cord blood as well, and that's an option usually the hospital will talk to you about ahead of time too um, at pre-registration, so you have an idea there. And even if you save, um, you delay the cord clamping and stuff, then it's enough. another beautiful moment of your partner being able to cut the cord themselves too. Yeah versus having someone else clamp that as well. Yeah, and that was a good tip that Bradley told us was put in your birth plan that your spouse wants to cut the cord or you want to cut the cord Mm -hmm. because then you guarantee no one else is cutting the cord. And so that made... Made oh, sure it happened. Yeah, yeah, and it's it is it was quite a challenge to delay cord clamping in the hospital. I will say, and I was told I had the longest delayed cord clamping they had had at MCR or I'm anyone sorry. had seen at MCR. Yeah, I'm like great, um, and it still wasn't as long as I would have liked, quite um, frankly. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just something to be aware of too. Is you might really need to advocate for yourself or having a doula if you especially are in the hospital is super beneficial to have them advocate for you so you don't. Need to worry about that Um, okay so let's talk about let's continue with vaginal birth as baby's out your skin on skin they are going to put a blanket on you or on the baby right away or warm towels and so just being really mindful that they aren't rubbing off the vernix like Dr. Laura was talking about but they will naturally start to do that at least in the hospital that is they're not going to rub it all off but for me I, I did have to ask oh could you please just lay the towel on her and not be rubbing because they they were rubbing and, and and especially if they had an apgar score right away that they want to pink the baby up you might see them kind of rubbing the baby a little bit more there too um so just knowing that ahead of time so that again if you need to have the conversation or your doula does it doesn't catch you off guard or freak you out at all mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like um this time frame like as we're transitioning a baby on you it's a good time like let's say you do want to breastfeed it's good to have that connection to kind of have that relationship the first few days can be so tricky with this um always recommend doing like a class or getting support ahead of time um but the hospital they may offer you um like different formulas or something to supplement in between and and just knowing like what that looks like of baby really doesn't need a lot. It only needs a couple drops of colostrum the first day mm-hmm. and it slowly increases. So they are getting what they need from the breast alone and being able to have baby as close as possible during this time frame really just helps support that process. Um, 
especially like if baby does need to get taken away for anything, it's just nice to ask for baby to stay as close as possible and to have as much contact with parents during the time that they can. Yeah, making sure baby stays with a parent too is really important. So putting that in your birth plan too. And um, with the, you will have to state this in your birth plan in the hospital. What Dr. Amy's saying does need to be stated. So please do not offer our baby a bottle, pacifier, sugar water. They will also try to offer too. So um, making sure, they still might try to offer, but now they know to talk to the parent or the doula first and not just go and give it to them too. So I know this might sound like obvious things that you would know are happening, but you just birth a baby and you are usually trapped to the bed or table or somewhere where you're not really able to have a lot of control if your baby is out of your arms too. So um, not to not to put fear in anyone's mind there, but I think sometimes you don't realize like you think you can advocate and you might be f- sitting farther away too. Um, and before you, if you do pre-registration for the hospital or the birth center, there's a lot of paperwork and conversations you can have ahead of time as to what's happening afterwards with baby. So afterwards, they are going to do the heel prick test with your baby. For us, we put in the birth plan that we wanted that done under lukewarm water so it wasn't shocking to the baby. And and babies usually don't cry when that happens. But when they just do it cold and out in the main environment, it can be quite shocking and put your baby into more of their sympathetic nervous system which we talk a lot about in the office is when babies or humans are in sympathetic nervous system, how that affects the rest of their body and allows it not to heal or rest or digest very well. And then also, so with that pre-registration paperwork, they're gonna ask you questions around if you want the hepatitis B vaccine for your baby, vitamin K vaccine for your baby, and then they also will standard practice in the hospital is to put erythromycin um in your eyes so if you see if this is your first baby what that is is when you see your friends baby pictures that they post on instagram facebook whatever Mm -hmm. and it looks like they've got like glowing vaseline in their eyes that's what that is and um you can decline that i think the biggest thing i'd say that's a standard practice because of stis or stds Mm -hmm. and so if that is necessary for your birth obviously go ahead with it if it's not necessary that is a very easy thing to decline hep b is very common to decline you actually don't need to at least i didn't need to in the hospital sign any paperwork to decline it because that is a very common one and then with vitamin k you can do the vaccine you could also um there are some um, oh, what's that called? Preservatives in the vaccine too mm-hmm. that I'm not in love with. You could get drops. You will need to order them ahead of time. They won't have a cleaner version of vitamin K in the hospital, but you can bring that with in your hospital bag as well. Yeah, I always like to note like a lot of mamas don't realize how much power, how much say they have over their own birth and their own experience and even their baby. Like just know it's always a choice. There's always a conversation to be had and nothing can be done to you or your baby that you don't want to be done. Mm -hmm. It's just so hard during labor and delivery and then even the postpartum time to express it. So that's why we're advocating for you to express it before and have everyone on your team ready. So everyone knows those decisions um, and just that you're empowered to make your own decisions on the research and what's best for your family. Totally. And I've recently had a lot of mamas who I will ask them like, what's your birth plan look like? And they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do a birth plan. I trust birth, but whatever happens, happens, which I totally understand. Like, again, you can plan the heck out of your birth and it 
90% of the time is not going to go how you think it's going to go. Um, so this isn't like shame any one way over the other, but it really, really does make a difference to at least have a plan. Plan A, B, C, D, like they can go so many different directions, but at least you have your wishes and your desires written down so that again, there's nothing that goes, like Dr. Amy said, like out of your control. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have power over what ultimately does happen in your birth. So let's talk about if um, if you have a cesarean birth, especially more emergency cesarean, because planned cesarean, mm-hmm. there's you can plan, you know what's happening, and it's not an emergency Um, cesarean birth but in case of a cesarean birth there are some things you can put in your birth plan as well and I learned these with Bradley back in the day too I don't know if they still teach it but um, in order to have skin on skin one of the things they told me is your spouse or birth partner whoever you have in the room with you for your cesarean birth can actually the hospital will not tell you this. And if anyone's listening to this who is like a labor and delivery nurse, they're probably not going to love me saying this, but you can have your birth partner quickly take off their gown or have it open so that they can put the baby right on their skin and on their chest so that your baby still does have that skin on skin effect after the baby's born. There's also some more progressive hospitals where you can request a clear curtain because it's very important research will show for you to watch your birth, no matter how your baby's born, Mm -hmm. for your eyeballs to send that message to your brain so that you neurologically see birth happening. So if you have a clear curtain, great, you can watch that. But often, I have not heard of that in our area at least, but you can also have um, someone hold a mirror. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a doula in the room, they can hold a mirror so that you can watch your baby being born that way as well. Um, What are other natural cesarean tips that you guys have heard of can you think of any others not an emergency necessarily but if there is a planned cesarean um there are some hospitals again i'm not exactly sure up here um, but that will let you have like a truly gentle cesarean so they'll do the ear incision um and they'll still let your contractions happen and let your body almost like help push the baby out it's a slower process um but obviously with an emergency that's they're doing a c-section for a reason um so again it's not as common to have that like pushing gentle approach um isn't there like a term too you can look up like gentle cesarean or something like that so you can get more ideas the one other thing i'm thinking of is is it called vaginal seed seeding oh yeah seeding and so when swab Baby, yeah, when babies um, born vaginally, they will receive essentially your probiotics from your vagina. And that can help with um, their digestion, that can help with their immune system. There's a lot of benefits to it. And so when babies are born via cesarean birth, they miss that vaginal seeding. So what you can do, and I don't personally know anyone who has done this, um, but I believe you can have them like swab mm-hmm. your vagina. I think so. And put that on the baby. I'm yeah. not sure where they're putting that on the baby, but um, if this is something, again, that you are preparing for a cesarean birth, this might be something that is good to look into. And you can add that to your birth plan, whether you are preparing or that could be your alternative <laughs> option too. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I know so many cool options now with cesarean. I know. 
it's going to be hard with the emergency to figure out um, what is going to be best, but having an epidural and doing it more local anesthesia is so much better than systemic anesthesia because A, you're going to be further out too, so mm -hmm. it's nice to be fully aware as much as you can be for when baby is there to make as mm -hmm. much bonding as possible. Mm -hmm. So if that's always an option, it's a good one to have. Wonderful. Well, we've gone through a lot, and I know there's still a lot more that we could add. I think we should do more of a postpartum series, too, or podcast, and we can give you more details of what options can look like in the postpartum period, even within the first 24, 48 hours, and then the first three months, too, or the fourth trimester, as others will call it. But if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. One of the easiest ways to reach out, obviously, if you're a patient, we <laughs> reach out directly. We get to talk to you in person, which is wonderful. Um, if you're not, feel free to message us or DM us on Instagram and we're happy to point you towards some of the resources that we discussed today too. And if there's any other topics that you'd like discussed more in depth, please message us as well and let us know. But thank you for listening. And we're excited if this is part of your next journey too. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Want to come hang out with the docs during office hours? Click the link below to schedule your new patient appointment with a special discount for all podcast listeners. Thanks for listening. Until next time.